All right, uh, John chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to tell you why I was so excited that I get to preach on this particular passage. It starts out this way. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And in the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep, doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a marketplace? His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Then the Jews demanded of him, what miraculous sign can you show to prove your authority to do all this? And Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. The Jews replied, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. And after he had raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said, and then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. You know what excited me most about this? I thought, oh boy. I'm going to get to turn over some tables and fling some money. And then I thought, no, that probably wouldn't be a really good plan for me. I'd probably hurt myself or something. Or when I I chucked the coins out there, it hit one of you in the eye. And I thought, no, that's not really. And then the more I studied the passage, I, I realized that that's a part of the story, but it's not the real story here. And so today we kind of want to unpack that together and as we look down through that scripture, um, it starts out and it tells us a little bit about what time it was uh, in the year. It was the Passover season, when it was just about Passover season. Now, you have to understand that the Passover was the event of the year for the Jewish people. Kind of like the church picnic is the event of the year. By the way, thank you. The 8 o'clock group just didn't get it. No, it really was. It was the event of the year. Think think 4th of July, Christmas, and uh, New Year's Eve all rolled into one big deal. It was a big deal. It was the event of the year on the calendar. It was a must-attend event. Everybody came from far and near to attend the Passover. So there were a lot of people around. And... uh, They had come to Jerusalem because Jerusalem was the center of the Jewish world. I mean, it was the place to be. You know, around the world, and maybe even some of us, you know, when we think about the place to be, the place that's the big city, the place that's so exciting that you just got to go there, we might think New York City. But for the Jewish folks, it's Jerusalem. I mean, it is the center of it all. It is the place to go and to be. And then when you get to Jerusalem, the place you need to go is the temple. And that's where Jesus wound up that day because like all the rest of the Jews, he was there uh, to celebrate the Passover and he was there to worship in the temple. And it was the place to go and do your sacrifice. Now, there were lots of sacrifices uh, required in the Old Testament. If you go back and read some of it, you'll find out that uh, just about every day for every occasion and Sometimes just because 
it required a sacrifice, and the temple was the place to do it. You didn't do your sacrifices just out uh, in your backyard because you wanted to. You came to the temple, and you gave your sacrifice there. Um, I want to just kind of explain here a little bit. The story makes a little more sense uh, to us when we understand a little bit about how the temple was laid out. Um, think of a bunch of square boxes kind of nested inside of each other. Uh, the outside of the uh, temple area was called the court of the Gentiles. And that's where we find Jesus today. He's in the court of the Gentiles. It was a spot where just about anybody could go. Um, there were other parts of the temple that were reserved for folks who were Jewish. And sometimes uh, other parts that if you were just a very special Jewish kind. Uh, but for most of us who aren't Jewish, we might have been allowed into the outside court, the court of the Gentiles, which is where we find Jesus and all of the animals and all of the money changers. Inside that box is another box, and one of them was labeled the court of the women. Uh, you're well aware that in that time, women didn't enjoy all the rights they have now, so they had their own special place where they would go. And then they weren't allowed to go further into the temple. There was a place called the Court of the Israelites, and it was the court where uh, good Jewish men who were in good standing with uh, the temple and with God, uh, they could go. And then there was another part inside that was just for the priest. So those who are high up in the religious hierarchy, they could go into the most central part of the temple. And then in the very center actually kind of in the back in the center, was what was called the Holy of Holies. And it was so special that only one time a year was the high priest, and he was the only one that could do it. He was allowed to go in one time a year uh, to uh, enter the Holy of Holies. So, you know, it was kind of a, an exclusive place. But Gentiles could come into the outside court. That was where they were allowed to come and worship God. Uh, they could come and make their prayers and uh, present their offerings. Uh, I don't think they were allowed to do uh, sacrifices, but uh, they could do all of that in the court of the Gentiles. And that's kind of one reason Jesus was so mad, because they had taken this court of the Gentiles that was supposed to be a place where people like you and me could come and worship the Lord and, and talk with God, and uh, they had turned it into a marketplace. They'd filled it with sheep and cows and doves and money changers, uh, have any of you ever been around sheep and cows, like large bunches of them? Yeah. It's such a peaceful, serene setting, isn't it? No. Cows and sheep are noisy animals. And then you throw in all the guys that are trying to sell them. And then you throw in the money changers and imagine the arguments that are going back and forth and the shouting. And it just wasn't a very conducive place for worship, was it? I mean, can you imagine trying to worship like that in here? People were in the back shouting and screaming and carrying. It would be awful. And that's one of the things that Jesus was mad about. The other was he found the money changers there. Um, what were the money changers? Well, not exactly like a bank, but a little different. People came from all over the world and from countries far away, and, and uh, they, they came with what they had, and that was the coin of the realm where they lived. And that coin wasn't accepted. They couldn't bring their money into the temple. Uh, so if you still carry cash, if you had a dollar bill, you couldn't pay your temple tax with it. Uh, it took special temple money uh, to do that. Uh, and so you had to change your currency into the temple currency, which would have been an okay thing, except these guys were charging, like, ridiculous rates for exchange. 
Um, the same thing with the animals. They were charging exorbitant prices, so they were gouging the worshipers who came. So that's what Jesus saw all of this, and he saw people keeping other people from God. And that's when he got mad. And that's when he started throwing tables and throwing chairs and tossing out the the doves. Because he said, this is not the way this is supposed to be. And his actions that day, we can go back and read through the Old Testament. All of these things were prophesied. Uh, You find back in Malachi uh, chapter 3. In verses 1 through 4, I'm going to read this one for you. It says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me, speaking about John the Baptist, and then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will set as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. And the Levites were in charge of the temple. And refine them like gold and silver. And then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in the days gone by. So this Jesus comes suddenly to the temple. He's been alive for 30 years and now all of a sudden he shows up at the temple. And this is his reaction to what's going on there. And he quotes uh, a... Uh, uh, well, quotes a Old Testament passage, but there's another one that says, uh, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And then the uh, Jeremiah tells us that the house that bears his name, he says it has become a den of robbers. And over in Psalm 69.9, Jesus is the one that the, the disciples Remember, it says, for zeal, for your house will consume me. So nothing Jesus was doing that day was spur of the moment. This was all part of God's plan and been prophesied many, many years ago. And so Jesus comes in and he just does the thing. And I would love to have been there. If you got some time, go and watch some of the videos that are there. They're pretty cool. Um, Jesus with his whip and swinging it around. I saw one of them. He's going, yeah, yeah. And he's, I mean, he's just, he's going to town. Chasing all these people out of here. And uh, the priest come to Jesus. You know, they're kind of concerned about what's going on in their temple. And they look at him and they say, what did we do wrong? Now, that's not what they said, was it? They didn't even, didn't even acknowledge that they'd done anything wrong. You see, they were the priests and the Levites. They were in charge of the temple. So anything that happened in the temple had to go through them. So all of these money changers and sellers of cows and sheep, they'd allowed them to be there. They'd allowed God's house to be turned into a marketplace. Uh, Some even conjectured that maybe they were getting a little kickback or a bribe on the sales. You know, Jerusalem wasn't a little tiny town. Uh, There was probably plenty of place in town where they could have sold the cows uh, and the calves and the heifers and the bulls and the, the lambs and the sheep for the sacrifice that the travelers needed. Um, that's why all this marketplace was going on, so people would have animals to sacrifice. But they instead allowed those things to go on in God's house. They made a, a mockery of God's house. Um, and the priests weren't repentant about it at all. In fact, what they said to Jesus was, Hey, who do you think you are? 
coming in here and acting like this? What makes it okay for you to tear the place up like this and tell us how to run our business? Jesus looked at him and he said, well, I'll tell you what. You destroy this temple and in three days I'll rebuild it. And they looked at him like he was kind of crazy because they didn't get it. They didn't know what he was talking about. They said, look, Jesus, poor little man, we understand that you don't know a lot about what's going on around here because you're from Nazareth. But it took 46 years to build this temple. That long to put all these rocks up and do all this decoration. 46 years. And you tell us you're going to rebuild it in three days? That's okay, Jesus. We understand you're special. They just didn't get it. And neither did the disciples until later is what it tells us. It tells us that later on they began to think about things and what they'd seen. And they began to understand what was going on. And I don't know about you, but that's kind of the way I am. There's a lot of stuff in my life that's happened that when it's going on, I'm going, ah. And then later on I stop and think about it and I go, oh, that's what was happening. That's why that was going on. And that's what the disciples did. They said, oh, we remember. It said in the scriptures that zeal for the house of the Lord will consume me. They didn't understand that Jesus was talking about his own body when he said, destroy this temple. And they didn't understand that he was talking about him rising from the dead when he said, I will rebuild it in three days. He was talking about his crucifixion and his resurrection. And the resurrection becomes for us the new event of the year. The thing that changes everything. Jesus is explaining to them that he could do what he was doing because he was sent by God and that he was God. Have you ever heard the phrase, this will change everything? Ever heard that phrase? Just for fun, this last week I got on the internet and... um, I won't, I won't use their brand name, but I got on a search engine, and I said, this will change everything. I typed in that phrase, and all kinds of things popped up. But you know what's going to change everything for us? AI. AI is going to change everything. Or the Internet of Things will change everything. Or quantum computers. I don't even know what that is. I don't. Um, climate change is going to change everything. We're all going to drown here in Florida. I just want you to be aware of that and be ready. Okay, Get, start your swimming lessons now. All right, um, five, five, <laughs> 5G cell service will change everything. Augmented reality is all going to change everything. What Jesus hints at, though, the resurrection will and has changed everything. The resurrection changes how we interact with God before the resurrection, before the crucifixion and the resurrection, the way we interacted with God was a set of rules. You know, I said you had to go to the temple in the city to make your sacrifice. That was the acceptable place. Um, That's what you had to do. It was the only way to do it and do it right. Um, You had to do this. You could only do that. You couldn't do that on a certain day. You had to look this way. You had to wear 
your hair a certain way. You had to wear a certain kind of clothes. You had to do all of these things. It was more about do this and don't do that. But the resurrection changed everything. It changed from it being a set of rules to being a relationship. We are now in a time when we are in a relationship with a father who loves us. So Jesus came and did in the resurrection. He made a way for us to come into the presence of the Father who loves us. And we're in relationship with the Father that we love and we want to please. That's why we do the things like gather together to worship. Why we do things like read the scriptures. Why, the things, why we do things like love one another. Because we want to please our Father. This is what he's asked us to do, and we want to please him. We're in a relationship with him that is built on love. This morning, we're going to share together in communion. And uh, for those of you who are in a relationship with Jesus, this is a good time for you to reaffirm your relationship with Christ. John chapter 6, a little bit later on in the book, Uh, tells us that unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in him or in you. This is a great time to say, you know, Jesus, I put my faith in you. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe you were buried. I believe you were resurrected and you live again and that you live in me. It's a good time to reflect and Remember your relationship with Christ. If you're here this morning and you've not heard any of these stories before, you don't know anything about Jesus, I can tell you that this is a good time to start a relationship with Jesus as we come to the communion table this morning. I went through my Bible the other day. I happened to have what's called a red letter edition, and that means that the words that Jesus spoke uh, are in red. So I read all the red letters in, uh, in John uh, yesterday. And uh, these are some of the things I found. You know, people say, well, why should I believe in Jesus? Let me just share with you some of the things that are benefits to you. You can become a child of God. Jesus takes away your sin. You can be born again. That's, that one, to me, is exciting. I hadn't really thought about it a whole lot. You know, I've been saying that verse all my life. You know, you must be born again. And, um, is what Jesus says. But when you think about it, you know, when you're born again, the old life is gone and passed, and there's nothing but a new life, a clean slate in front of you. All the stuff that you've done, all the stuff that's been a part of your life in the past is gone. And in your new relationship with Jesus, you are brand new, ready to start over. How exciting. You can have eternal life. You will not be condemned, John tells us. Um, you can have God work through your life. It tells us in John 3.21. tells us that you will never thirst again. Have you ever had that feeling in your life that there's just got to be more? There's something else, something you want, something that you really need, and you don't know what it is? You thirst and you hunger for it? It's Jesus. Jesus tells us in John chapter 4 that we will never thirst again when we come to him. We'll never walk in darkness. We will know the truth and be set free. We will have life to the full. We will have peace 
and we will have joy. I can't think of anything better thing to do today than to start a relationship with Christ and enjoy what so many of us are already enjoying. I invite you to join with me this morning as we as a church receive the communion elements.